it's individual. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. my role I see is really guiding families to identify what their right path is. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. Samantha Murray is here this week to help us wrap up our education series. This episode's recording comes at the tail end of my second round with COVID and foggy brain recovery, so please pay no attention to the delayed thought processing. Samantha is an education strategy coach for parents and the creator of You Are the Architect, a self-paced online course. This course is ideal for parents of younger children who are in the early stages of planning for their child's education and grappling with the question, what is the right path? Samantha's gift is in helping all parents become more discerning, to be able to identify their own differentiated strategy so that they can confidently pursue the education they want for their child. She also specializes in empowering families of color for whom the U.S. education system is not designed to serve well. Samantha also offers private coaching for parents who desire her undivided attention. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Relational Parenting Podcast. This week is week five of the education series that we started back in uh, the very beginning of March. And today we have Samantha with the company Sam Catalysts, and she works with families to plan uh, their children's educations. And that can start anywhere from pre-birth to 18 years old. Um, And so she's a strategic education planner and helps families um, look at all their options and figure out what is best for their family. So Samantha, without further ado, I will let you introduce yourself and um, tell us a little bit more about your company. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Um, Yeah. Well, my company is really born out of my 20 plus year career in education. And I started really questioning my opportunities growing up for Mm -hmm. independent schools, for just the many options growing up in Baltimore, how in the world did my family and my parents in particular figure out where to send us? And Mm. as I continued going through my experience, going through Catholic or parochial elementary and middle school, then going into an independent school with a scholarship, We didn't know that independent school existed. So there was a whole world of education options that my parents weren't aware of. And so as I continued going on and just questioning and just being really curious about what's available to different families, because I could see either in my family or in my friends that Mm -hmm. we were all going to different places. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I go to college, I go to grad school for um, education and I, I start teaching um, as my first, you know, real job out of grad school. And then I go into education research because I'm still trying to figure out, like, what are all these options? Some are better than others. Some are more appropriate than others. But then I also heard and read and experienced a lot of the negatives where schools weren't great for some families, for some communities. Mm-hmm. And the more I studied and the more I you know, went further in my career, I got to a place where I really landed in strategy. And it was not planned um, in a way that I could look back and say, this is exactly where I said I would end up. But I started learning more and more how organizations, so school districts or nonprofits or even just individual schools, how they thought about 
what they were offering to families, what they were offering to communities. And a lot of the leaders, once I was further into my career, a lot of my work focused on how do we improve? How do we do what we do better? And really bringing in equity um, in ways in the last maybe five to 10 years that we weren't talking about 20 years ago when I was just starting to teach. And so a lot of the work that I did before I transitioned into starting my own company was really around these bigger questions of what is the aim of the organization that we are leading? And it's a big question that is really hard. It's really hard to turn a ship um, quickly. And you have to know where you're turning it to and why and what you need to put in place with organizations. Um, Change became too slow for me. Mm. Um, Now, I still consult with organizations, but I really wanted to focus on how can I help families think about what their longer term plans are for their children. And the re- one of the reasons I started doing this and I founded my company is because as I was working with schools and talking with parents, they were asking these questions. And I yeah. thought, well, the schools are not some schools are not designed. No, let me take that back. Every school can serve its students well. I think the question that I started hearing more and more was, is this the right school for me, for my family, for my child? And finding that right path for that family became something I was really curious about and started Hmm. thinking that there's a way to support families in a way that I was supporting leaders of organizations to think more strategically. So I started talking more with families, talking more with parents, inviting conversations. But then parents were also asking me questions out of the blue. And I thought, yeah. well, there's something there. Yeah. That's, yeah, I can that's think awesome. of a number of people that would, that would benefit from that. Especially like um, in a lot of our education episodes so far, we've talked, I think every episode we've touched on students with um, non-typical needs, especially Mm -hmm. looking at different kinds of schools. Um, You know, the primary, the primary enrollment being public school and then all the other options around that. I'm curious, something that you said earlier, earlier on in your description is working with schools um, and systems on the on inequity and I'm curious what um if you can tell me more more about that piece of it so there are a lot of different components to what that could look like um yeah the most typical way that that shows up in the work that I do is is around racial equity Okay. I wondered, but I I didn't want to assume. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, as the entry point. Now, I think once you, once once an organization thinks more deeply about that and tries to figure out what that means for them, it tends to, the way I like to say it, is giving every child what they need to Mm -hmm. succeed. And that becomes really challenging given really if you have to go you have to really go back to just why schools exist in the first place and a lot of the changes that i think the field is making in terms of making organizations more able to serve all students equally well and it doesn't necessarily mean giving every child the same pathway, for example, or giving them all the same pace of learning. Right. Um, it doesn't really mean that anymore because the purpose of education, if you think about why we wanted to educate children in the same way, along the same pathway, for whatever the purpose was 100 years ago, 50 years ago, but now... Mm-hmm. Every child is a unique learner, and Mm -hmm. we still have 
sort of this universalized approach, standardized approach to education. And I know that there are so many schools that are working to break free of that. I think two or three or four or five different podcast episodes could go into really how different schools are positioned to be able to support all the students that come to them and the differences between public education and independent schools and what their flexibility is, what their resource capacity is, Mm -hmm. really factors into how they can really serve students well. Um, But the, the equity piece was really important for me was is it the, the reason the equity piece is so important to me is, again, visibly, I am a black woman and I grew up in an education environment where I was one of few black students mm-hmm. all through school. And I also was introduced to wealth inequality, so socioeconomic status. I mean, going from the school. So we are not independently wealthy. We did not grow up in the wealthiest of circumstances. And so when I went into my independent school environment for high school, I saw and experienced firsthand the difference in wealth. Mm -hmm. And I, then I started thinking, okay, this is different. This feels different. And then in my career, I could see resource inequality, both from organizational standpoints, like a public school getting public uh, getting funding versus an independent school, um, and just a family's circumstance. What do they have available to them in terms of financial resources that will allow them to select from a pool of school options? That's vastly different depending on how much money you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever, so s- there is definitely, you know, a socioeconomic um, difference. And when we're on here talking about, we've done a lot of talking about, um, you know, if you're public, you know, advocating inside the public school ad, and, mm-hmm. and public schools have the resources and they, you know, they want to do what's best for each child and they want to do um, as much as they can. But sometimes the resources just are not available. Um, mm-hmm. And then your option there becomes to change schools or change or homeschool or, you know, but and and people homeschooling can be considered a luxury for some people. Like if you have unless, you know, one, either both parents continue to work and you pay someone else to Mm -hmm. homeschool your child, or one of the parents has to stay home and homeschool the child. Um, Both of those things require income. Um, And private school requires income. And I don't know enough about um, things like scholarships or grants um, or things like that, but I'm curious... um, I'm curious what what options are out there. Like, are there thi- are there even things that help people who who ha- who come to the conclusion that the public school just is not serving their child? It's not the right environment, um, but they also can, you know can't afford um, mm-hmm. what a different education might cost. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a loaded scenario. (laughs) That's a a very complicated scenario too. We yeah, I raised kids in a rural setting where if someone needed uh, a behavior disorder classified kid needed to be shipped to another town that had that resource because we we were in rural Illinois. We had about four thousand dollars per kid. And to ship a kid up to Peoria, you know, to get them the program they needed, that cost about $87,000, I remember. And so that's how do you split that up on a practical matter? There's a, we have a different tax base. The collar counties around Chicago, they were more at that time, this was in the 90s, early 90s had more like fifteen dollars or $18,000 per child on average per year, and we had four. And so there's just a natural, and until we figure out how to spend the same amount on every child in America, no matter where they're sitting, that's going to be a, a hard, if you have a, 
if you have an unusual need and you are in a restricted area, right, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. then that's going to, it'll never be perfect. I understand that. But boy, we sure could do a better job of evening things out a little bit, you know. Mm hmm. Well, and that's, so I'm not necessarily asking about the system inside the school, the, you know, the per, per capita, per child. I'm talking about families who have gone through the public school system and tried to utilize all the resources for that, 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 that school can afford. Um, and mm -hmm. the school just mm -hmm. isn't the right setting, whether it's the resources or the teachers or the administrator, like whatever it is, maybe there's kids there they don't get along with it could be a million different things mm -hmm. the I'm more I was asking more about the options outside of public school um being much more expensive um and if there are options for families to get aid um hmm. in doing those things so the short answer is yes, but, or maybe there's an and. Yes, and it <laughs> depends on where you live. So yeah, geographically, exactly. it depends on your state. Yeah. Um, it depends on um, the options, really, that are within your reach, whether that's virtually within your reach. There's a lot of new models that are, and I'm, you know, still learning more about this, but a lot of new models where you're taking courses online, you can actually mm -hmm. attend virtual, you can, you can do schooling virtually, um, mm -hmm. but still be enrolled. You, you, you still be enrolled in a school. So it's not a homeschooling option in sort of the traditional, you're physically at home and there's a, you know, an adult that is teaching you and maybe your sibling or one other child, there's actually online school now. So virtual education. Um, and every independent school, you would have to inquire. So with that, whatever is within your reach. So this is where a lot of the questions that come to me from parents originate is that they're considering a different option or they're considering an option for the first time and they're wondering, this is my first time. I think I like these schools, but I'm not sure which one makes the most sense. Can I even afford it? Um, how would I go about affording it? How early do I need to start planning? Is there a wait list? Do, you know, what's the process? If it's a charter school, is there a lottery? Um, is there really a... Um, I was going to say a pipeline, but I mean, that's language that gets used in this space as well. But what's, mm -hmm. what are the schools that are good for students to start in so that they can kind of have that pathway to another good school that a parent may be eyeing? So when I get those types of questions about, is this even available or affordable to me or what's you know out there in terms of financial assistance, whether it's financial aid, scholarships, um, grants, that's the type of like legwork that yeah. parents will begin to do. And it helps to have narrowed down at least the direction that you're going in. So some families say we are committed to public education. And yeah. unless there's some, you know, circumstance that would really jeopardize, you know, my vision for my child, we want to stick with public schools. And I've had families tell me that, or, there, there are families who say, I just, I want my child to be in the environment that's right for them, whether that's public, private, parochial, whatever that is. And so we start to go back and say, well, then what is your vision and try to unpack what that is, but then why that is so that we can start to maybe narrow down the schools that they're looking for. And then you can say, well, out of these five schools, let me do some research and find out, you know, what their financial aid or scholarship opportunities are. And that typically is the route that I see a lot of parents taking. Well, it sounds like there's a real niche for, I mean, what it sounds like to me is basically a consultant who specializes in knowing the school systems in an area 
that can help a parent, especially a young parent, especially with early children that haven't been through, you know, when you when you have your first kid, you don't know nothing usually. And right. to have somebody who can call and say, well, you know, let me look around or, or has already looked around for somebody else with a similar, you know, I have an autistic child or, I, you know, I have all these special needs. I'm getting my kids getting bullied here. Let's find a better fit, you know, and be and being strategic. In, mm-hmm. in schooling your kids. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, that's actually so important because, again, the univer- univer- universalization of education, it's easier to just kind of mass produce things than to mm-hmm. do things more um, individualized, and it requires more resources. And, and easier it, as in cheaper, ultimately, in everything, time, money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's that balance that I find a lot of parents are trying to strike between, you know, y- you have to go to school, so that's compulsory. And what's the best environment that you can then balance between what you're able to supplement, complement alongside what's happening in the classroom outside of school? I know That's a lot right. of What's the are... best outcome? It's exactly. not nothing's going to be ideal, but helping helping parents engineer the best outcome they can Absolutely. manage that's available. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Well, and it's also it's not always we've spent a lot of time on on every episode of the education series on special needs um, mm-hmm. or atypical needs. Um and there's also Sam, Samantha in your work specifically, um, there's another component, which is the parents and or child's combined goals for where they actually are headed. Are they headed to college? Are they headed to trade school? Are they headed to, you know, beauty school? Are they headed to on being an entrepreneur, like, are they going to be an, a musical artist? So they're going to go to a, mu- you know, a musician specific high school. Like there's mm-hmm. so many, like the path, the path that someone chooses has so many different pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what you do is, is really, it's like, it's extremely strategic and it's also, you, you really help parents um, individualize the education for each of each of their children. I I would think mm-hmm. even inside of a family, they might the children might go to different school paths. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Even Decatur, even even the little town I'm in has three or four schools that a kid could go to, magnet mm-hmm. schools and that kind of thing. And that that would really add value to be able to pick and choose mm-hmm. per kid. Yeah, they have tremendous and long-term value. This is an investment when they're young that turns into a mountain in interest later on, you know. Absolutely. I like to think of it as helping families to zoom out before we get super specific because I think a lot of the a lot of the urgency comes from I need to make a decision because right. the school year cycle is requiring me to right now. And Mm -hmm. what I'm hoping that I will eventually be able to sort of um, open up as sort of this newer way of thinking about for for newer families is to start that thinking early so that once you're faced with that decision, again, unless you have unlimited resources and you can simply say, I want my kid. And even then, you still, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't buy your way into every school. Yeah. When I say that, I mean, you know, afford the tuition because mm-hmm. there is a limit. And so yeah. you do still have to make a choice or make a decision. Sometimes it's just easier when you have, you know, more more available more available resources. But when you start to take sort of that big step back and think bigger picture earlier, you already have done some of that heavy thinking that makes it a little bit easier when it comes time to pull the trigger and make a decision Mm -hmm. in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels less daunting. And I've Mm -hmm. had families say that too, where I, um, I ran a workshop and 
one of the moms, her daughter's three, and she said, you know, I'm really putting in a lot of effort right now to think ahead. And it was a three-day workshop, and I really prompted her with maybe a handful of questions each day. And after the first day, I'm sorry, the second day when we came back and reflected on that first day, she said, you know, it didn't seem like a lot to think about. It was a few questions, but she said, I thought about it some more. And it's actually a lot to think about. And she didn't, yeah, she didn't say it was overwhelming, but she didn't realize that one question really, you know, spawns a whole set of questions. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just going deeper and deeper. And by the end of the, the time together, um, you know, we'd gone through, you know, a dozen or so questions and she said, wow, this is a lot to think about. Thank mm -hmm. you. And it mm -hmm. actually confirmed that she was on the right path for what was right for her and her family. Um, but she also said there were things that she hadn't thought about that were helpful. So it's really about just getting, really getting to the core of, as a parent, as a caregiver, what your ultimate vision is. And you may not know if it's, I need my child to go to the same college that I went to, if you even went to college, or it could be, I never went to college and my child has to, it's mm -hmm. individual. And mm -hmm. my role I see is really guiding families to identify what their right path is. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it can always change too. That's the other thing. Circumstances change. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Yeah. Timing is, is everything. Well, and you also, like, you talk about um, that, you're, that, that you really like to work with uh, pre-parents and new parents hmm. um, or getting children young, right, and helping them start to plan um, their education as early as possible. You get a jump start on things thinking mm -hmm. ahead that gives parents some time to really parse out what they want. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, waiting lists can be five years long. Um, so, right. So, mm -hmm. um, so working that early on, eventually, you know, they might put a plan in place, an 18 year plan in place for their child. Um, child turns seven and shows a serious knack for like, oh, I can play six musical instruments now. Mm -hmm. um, and they have to change course. Have you have you yet had to help a family navigate that, like where you helped them put a plan in place or maybe they had a plan in place um, and then sought your services because all of a sudden, okay, child has an opinion, child shows um, promise in these specific areas. Um where they had to, yeah, go in and, and switch gears a little bit. Yes. Um, so that's an interesting question because when I think of strategy, a strategy is really about your actions along the way. And so mm -hmm. strategy is what you do. And um, a, a mom that I was working with, four children, and so... Papa Rick, getting back to what you were saying, having multiple children in the same family going different places. Yeah. She, this mom got a whiteboard and she mapped out where her children, so as early as young as, um, not yet in kindergarten. And then I think the oldest was in fourth grade. And so okay. managing where all of her children were going and it'd be nice if all of the kids could go to one school because it was possible, but was it right? Because each of the kids are different. So the oldest, oldest child, um, is twice exceptional. And so a oh, lot boy. of different needs were arising there. And it was like, Oh, we have to, we have to make some different decisions now because we yeah. now have more information. We yeah. now have more direction. And so it was, it was really um, a situation where because mom and her husband had been thinking about, this is even before coming to me, they were really deeply thinking about now and in the future. And what was really helpful for her is the sessions that we had together, She re it was really just an opportunity for her to talk through all the things that she and her husband had been thinking about 
Um, but they had a pretty good foundation for what they valued, what they were looking for as sort of the ultimate outcome for their children. One of the questions that I really encourage families to think about is, what do you want education to accomplish for your child? And that's a huge question. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the questions that that mom in the workshop, when she thought about it and then thought about it, it got deeper and deeper. And so on its face, it's an interesting first question Mm -hmm. that really takes you in so many different directions. So to um, answer your question, it's really at every decision, whether it's in the direction you thought you were going, or if you have to make you know, a sharp turn in a different direction, the thinking process or the way that parents get to arrive at that decision typically is similar. It's around just asking me, asking them questions or Mm -hmm. just listening to them and then giving back to them what I heard so that they can hear, okay, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking or no, that's what you heard. That's not the way that I want to go. So right. it's just a partner, yeah. thought partner in a lot of ways. Very cool. Yeah, there's so yeah. much value in having a, having a plan. Just the, mm-hmm. I used to work for a guy, and he wanted a six-week plan for, for software development updated weekly. And I was like, when's the last time we got to the end of one of these plans and it right. looked anything like it looked? six weeks ago. He says, mm-hmm. there's value. He taught me there's value in the process, sitting around and talking about it. Yes. Right. Do it. And mm-hmm. it all, it all kind of stays between the, the standard process control lines better. Yes. If, you're th- if you're thinking about six weeks out this week, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, doing that with, with kids, with educating your kids, that sounds mm-hmm. like a, a terrific idea and having mm-hmm. a resource to talk to, to lead you down those, oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, I didn't think yeah. of that. Oh, I didn't think of that. Okay, let me, I'll be back in six months, you know. Exactly. I had one dad say, you know, you helped me think of the questions that I don't even know to ask. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's and the real well, value is people think of. When there's so many parts to education, like if I've learned anything from this five-part series, it's how little (laughs) I actually knew about the education system. (laughs) Yeah. And like I knew enough, but I, but I didn't, there's, um, you know, we've talked to someone who's studied education from a historical perspective. We've talked Mm. to someone who's taught, who works with schools, as a psychologist, but outside of the schools, we've talked to my mom, who's a psychologist inside of the schools. Um, and so there's, and then there's so many different kinds of schools and, you know, and then you come in and you have this like strategic, you know, the different types of schools and like all the, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the right questions to ask because someone who any parent, who either has a job or, um, they're at home raising the kids or, and keeping the house or, you know, keeping track of everyone's soccer schedule and making, you know, meal planning and grocery shopping and laundry and all, you know, the car needs fixed and whatever, like all of the things that a human being is keeping track of on a daily basis. Um, it's, something like education and an option other like an intentional choice right so there's definitely there are definitely people who it's just an automatic like like I grew up and went to public school and then graduated and did the you know did my thing and it's just like an ingrained thing and so that's what they do with their kids and that's what their kids do and it's just like a repeating process Mm -hmm. um but something that you and I, Samantha, have in common is this intentionality piece yeah. of, um, sorry, not to exclude you, dad. I know that you were intentional <laughs> as a parent. Our philosophies as um, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. inside of our companies is what I was referencing. Um, <laughs> was the Is the intentionality inside of this piece of parenting, Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, the piece where we are not just 
putting each kid in the same box and shipping them out to do their thing while they grow up. And then we hang out after school and after work and on the weekends. Um, but we're actually deeply paying attention to our child and Mm -hmm. what their needs are, what their strengths are, their natural gifts. Um, and then we are as parents creating a plan for them, for each child. And if you have multiple children, it gets even more overwhelming. And so to have someone, who knows the ins and outs of the education system, all of the options available, someone who can find out more for you if they need to and walk them through the overwhelming thought process of planning each child's education um, Mm -hmm. is absolutely invaluable. Yeah. When I heard that this Mm -hmm. is what you do, I was like, we need to talk. <laughs> when you have a child, I mean, you go, you should go to Lamaze classes and, you know, start thinking about this stuff, you know, so that when they get to be school yeah. age or preschool age, you've given this some thought instead of just like we did, which is we're out in the country and there's one school near district nearby and you throw your mm-hmm. kids into the system and trust mm-hmm. and then kind of keep an idea, eye out when there are problems. But, you know, being a little, having a little pre-thought and understanding that there are options and if there's funding and, you know, what is knowing what's possible mm-hmm. that without having to do six years of research while you're in the middle of, you know, doing Surviving everything else parenting. Jenny was talking about. Right. Yeah, you know, just because it's so <laughs> dynamic and busy. That's, that would be a tremendous leg up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not a, I think to your point, it's not a one-time you come have an hour, two hour, three hour conversation, answer some questions, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's an ongoing. It's a periodic, yeah, exactly. like a counseling or a let's let's have our daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever mm-hmm. check in, mm-hmm. and uh, keep our wills up to date. Along with you know something you'd keep up to date along with everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Then something well, it's not does like it's not like a quiz that you can just like, it's a, it's Mm -hmm. a highly strategic and you need a human being to come in and Mm -hmm. hear everything and like work with you back and forth. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a back and forth. And that piece is overwhelming. Yeah. That, um, most of the people that I've interviewed for the podcast, I'm like, I'm, gonna hire you in the next zero to five years <laughs> That's um, right. but the quote that you said mm-hmm. um what can what was it what can educate what can this educate what can the education or what can this school do for my child versus because it's mm-hmm. for me that's such a flip because um I just think of like kids go to school. Mm -hmm. So like kids go into the system and you just, you do your thing. Right. Um, but that reversal of mindset around, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same as government. Like government is meant to serve the people, not the other way around in schools. Your school should serve your child's needs, not Mm -hmm the other way around. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's like such if an important question. A, another layer to that. Yeah. Another layer. So I start with a question around education. So what mm-hmm. do you want education to accomplish for your child? Then going back to, I think a question that you had, like what if, you know, you notice that your child has either a, a special talent, ability, interest, or need and you need to go in a different direction. Now it's about what do I need a school to accomplish for my Mm -hmm. child? Mm -hmm. So it's the bigger vision around education, Mm -hmm. big picture. And then each of those decisions as you, as your child grows, as your family changes, as you mature, as your preferences might change, then it's about what does the school need to have so that my child can thrive? That's right. You start to look at changing. You can go to the system. You can go to the school mm-hmm. and start saying, 
where's this program? How do you handle kids with this program? Oh, and maybe get involved. You know, okay, well, let's help start up Head Start or a math whiz program or, you know, some Mm -hmm. kind of program that serves your kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, it's not about the system. So coming back from the school board side of things, it's not about those needs change. There will be different waves of kids going through a school system. There will be different needs at one time. The school can't just automatically serve every need for every child that comes through simultaneously. They need feedback from parents. Mm-hmm. So the better prepared parents are to go in and battle and make good cases and and argue with the other parents about how to divvy up the resources, the better off they're going to be through mm-hmm. the course of their kid's career. Yeah, that all sounds great. And there's absolutely, I, I don't have a, um, a judgment or a preference around you know, if a parent says, I just want my kid to just go to the neighborhood school. Okay. You know, that's totally valid. Um, so my position is not, oh, every parent has to have, you know, this notebook and they have to write it down and have a plan. I do think that there needs to be forethought and intentionality. And you might arrive at where we live and what's available to us as a public school set of options works for us. Yep. Yep. Now, the challenge does come in when a family where they may not be thinking ahead enough, and when I say thinking ahead, meaning once my child is you know, going through elementary school and middle school, like what's, what's available for high school? Would, would we likely still be living in the same area? Yeah. To then think about does it still make sense to just kind of let my child enter into, you know, the public school system where we are, what typically happens to children when they graduate from the school system? Is that what we want? Um, To then think, if it's not what you want, then what do we need to do? And at what point do we need to make some different choices? When possible, I know that, I know that, again, not every family has the luxury of um, easy options or options at all. Mm-hmm. So that's also tricky sometimes when you're thinking about what you would love to give to your children and what's available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of that information is available too. Uh, what happens to kids after oh, high yeah. school and that kind of thing. I know our little school district had would do little studies following, following mm-hmm. up with kids, try to track them for a while and mm-hmm. colleges, no doubt. Um, have in, incoming and probably trades. There's, I'm sure there's somebody compiling information mm-hmm. like that about how how it goes for kids. Absolutely. So how does, uh, this is more of a personal curiosity um, that I don't, yeah, I don't know if anyone else is wondering about this. Um, but I've never, because I grew up in a small town, it was, there was, one school and you just went there your whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But in most other towns, there were multiple schools and then there were, there were feeder schools. So depending yeah. on which grade school you went to, you went to, and my understanding was that the district you lived in determined the dis- the school, the grade school you went to, which then determined which school that fed into. And, but the more that I, that we're talking and that I've talked to other people, there's, I'm under the understanding of that. There's, there's choice so that even if it, if the school you want to go to is outside of the district that you live in, you can somehow still go to that school that gets fed to a different high school. How does that work? I have no, I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's different everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. So, for example, um, I'm I'm located in Baltimore, and there is, you can choose which high school to go to. So you don't have to start in one elementary school and then automatically have to go to the feeder middle school and then to the high school. Um, there are opportunities where 
in some middle school cases, you can apply to go to a different middle school. With the rise of charter schools, there's also, so charter schools are not, so traditional public schools, and you have neighborhood schools where, based on where you live, that determines which public school you attend. And in some places, that's not always a straight path because there are opportunities where you can either apply to the traditional public school um, options yeah. or go to a charter school um, if you're staying sort of within the public school offering. And then there's a whole host of other school opportunities that are not public that at any time you can choose to go to those schools. So it's different in every district and you would have to know, you would have to just know um, if you're thinking of making a, a, a move where you might be headed to know what those, basically what those rules are, what those yeah. policies are. Yeah. Where I'm at now, the, the public school system, where you go at whatever age is, you know, as a base determined by where you live. You know, there's line, there's a map mm -hmm. and lines, and because yep. that's the transportation thing. If they're going to supply free transportation, then they need to know how many bus drivers and how many buses they need and how much ground they can cover. But I believe even here, it's a town about sixty or seventy thousand. Um, there are Montessori grade schools as opposed to public grade schools, and I don't know what and Christian schools, mm -hmm. you know, par parochial schools. And then once you get to, well, and then there's a big, there's an enormous Catholic grade school, uh, been here for decades, um, which is not free, right? So there's, there's starting to run into resources there if you really like that mm -hmm. or, you know, then, then you have to, and they have, they have, um, what do you call them, scholarships, but not for everybody. So there's competition or or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the same with middle schools. I think there's three middle schools. There's, I think one's a charter, one's a magnet for STEM or something. They're already kind of making determinations. I forget what the emphasis of the old one is. And then just the one that you would go to because you're in the district. And then there's, we're down to two high schools. When I was going to school here, it was, there were five high schools. We're down to two. And, uh, and I'm not sure if they have differentiated programs there, you know, if there's a great art program at one or science at another or, or not. So it's kind of, there's kind of a mix and sorting it out for the first time and even ongoing or if needs changed, that, that could be very complicated. And I, and I can't even imagine a place like Baltimore with so many options and, you know, such a population density, how many options mm -hmm. you might have. And then homeschooling. There's a whole cadre of people that's that's way more common than it was when I was raising kids you know that was pretty fringe back then but now there's consortiums of parents that get together and one of the take turns educating and you know it's that's become very sophisticated yes absolutely so I'm sorry Jennifer no. it's not an easy answer it's not a standard yeah, answer I should say wow no that's fine that's that's okay mm -hmm. I yeah, I don't ask questions expecting perfect, like clean cut answers. Um, Ten words or less. Huh? I'm curious. Like, so okay, charter schools, magnet schools, parochial sounds like it's associated with religion. Mm -hmm. That's probably yeah, I'm it, probably dating that. Yeah, there's there's Christian and Catholic and Lutheran schools that I can think of around here. They run school districts. Mm -hmm. So a chart a charter can be public. It can is it, public. It is public. It is public. Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Always. So what's the difference then between a charter school and the public school next door? So a charter school allows families to um, opt in, if you will. So that's where if you live on the other side of town and you apply to attend a charter school, um, the enrollment is through lottery um, most often. And oh. that's where you don't, you don't pay. It's publicly funded. 
Um, but they're the the charter. So they have a charter. So every state has a charter law. Every state with charters has a charter law. Um, hmm. Every dish. So a district, the board in a school district decides whether they want charter schools or not. Um, the charter lays out what the charter schools are accountable for. So obviously they're accountable for academics, but there's a lot of more, a lot more flexibility that the leadership has in designing the curriculum, in determining the length of the school day. Um, you still have to meet certain requirements in terms of teacher qualifications, in terms of um, provision of um, special education. I mean, there's certain things that as operating as a public school, it still has to fulfill. The, the, the opportunity for parents is that they are, um, you feel like you're in more, more of control of what your child is receiving because you are choosing from a set of options which school fits best for your child. And typically, um, and not all charter schools are created equally. Some of them have a very specific focus for their curriculum. Um, some of them are themed. Um, some of them, you know, their approach to discipline um, is different. And so it's a lot of flexibility that comes mm -hmm. with a charter school. But they are held accountable to um, what's provided in the law and their charter. And charter schools can be shut down. Well, public schools can be as well, but um, again, each district is different. <laughs> in Illinois, and each state is more it's different. Yeah, in Illinois, it was it's kind of like the the charter schools were kind of market oriented. If there's a lot of people in, mm -hmm. and I think they I think they're more common in larger school districts than they are in smaller school districts because there's more flexibility with the funding, but. Um, mm -hmm. a charter school might arise because people want, you know, the college track or the not college track or special needs or science education. And so someone might start a, a, uh, a charter school where they just do the bare minimum with PE or whatever. These are not concrete examples, but they can, they can back off on some of the trying to cover the whole gamut equally, they'll back off on pieces and emphasize music or, or, or science or something. Um, the, the issue I remember was that when a student leaves a district, the normal, the, the nominal public school, and goes to the charter school, they, in Illinois, they were talking about, I think there's different ways of funding them, they would basically have a chit, they would take their funding with them, whatever state and federal funding went from the nominal school to the other school. And so when there's very limited resources, very limited funding, then that can get dicey because then, then the services drop in the nominal school visibly and it becomes competitive instead of specializing somewhat. Um, so that, that's, a, that's mm -hmm. just a real complicated, real complicated issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're getting into um, voucher territory. That's the word um, and that's not my. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um. You described it, and and that's what it's that's what it's called. Um, and those are just things that, in terms of parents understanding what's available to them, again, based on where they live, mm -hmm. um, goes into the things that you would need to research if you are looking to make um, a change from what you're, where you currently are. Um, there was something I was going to say about charter schools. They're publicly funded. Um, if, I, if I remember and it makes sense, I'll come back to it, but I feel like there's okay. something I meant to say about that. But it, and it still plays into the, boy, it can be complicated to figure out what's available. You know, what are, what are my choices in educating my child? Mm -hmm. And very helpful to have somebody who's already done the, the, a lot of the legwork and uh, mm -hmm. can advise you. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's so many, my head is just like swimming with all the options that I mm -hmm. 
you know, I thought I knew, I thought I knew most of the options. And then, I mean, charter, I've never actually understood what a charter school is. Um, other than I knew that there, the one charter school I had any experience with was one when I was a nanny and took the children to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't understand like what, like it was just like a fancy private version of school in my, in my mind that they wanted their kids to go to smaller classrooms, more, you know, the, I think the the discipline or the learning style or both were Montessori based. They weren't a Montessori mm-hmm. school, but the, uh, the values and the way that they handled things reflected um, Montessori and child-led, child-led edu- education. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just so many, so many moving pieces and like where you live and what your values are and what your child is good at, what your child likes, what your child wants to do. Like, yeah. and then there's just, it's like, all right, well, you've narrowed it down to seven choices. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> That's right. At least you shortlisted it. Right. Right. This is crazy. Yeah. I got to go this. do some reading on charter school funding. I don't remember. All, it was a new thing in Illinois. I don't know if they just approved them back in the mm-hmm. early nineties or it was new to me anyway. And mm-hmm. we decided not to do it. We couldn't swing having another school in the district. We were doing good to have one grade, one middle, and one high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or we got we we could, but we'd have had to raise taxes, and nobody was interested in that. You know, there was no there. Nobody was going to vote for that. So a lot of you know resources are important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to move somewhere where the opportunities are. I think just like a job. I was right. just going to ask, going to school is a job for a kid. Have you ever, Samantha, worked with a family that that literally moved because they didn't have good education options for their kids? I feel like that would be a very extreme um, situation. Not, not where that was the only reason for looking for a move. Um, so no, I've, is that true? I have a family that is thinking about it. Actually, a couple of families that I'm talking to that may not be next year, but they've started to think ahead and they've said, well, we see what is available to us in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that these options are really what aligns with what we want and need. And so mm-hmm. the wheels are starting to turn. If we move, when would we move and to where? Hmm. Mm-hmm. But not where someone is actively making a decision to move because of education. Usually mm-hmm. it's, we're thinking of moving. Oh, let me think about what the education opportunity looks like there. And then we kind mm-hmm. of talk through that. Mm-hmm. That sounds a lot like that brings to mind the uh, the, uh, you know, upward mobility thing. It's like, well, I'm making Mm -hmm. more money now. And so I can go buy a better house in a better school district for a better school or, you know, you get a new job and you get to get a chance to you don't have to move expressly for it. You're already moving because you took a job in another town. And so now you're thinking a little more strategically about which school Mm -hmm. district you want to be in, you know, instead of just being mm-hmm. in the one you were in when you started having babies and yeah yeah mm-hmm. this is a real moving target raising kids is complicated there's no manual there's no handbook there's no I know right parent school <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling people that I I wish someone would write the manual right <laughs> I think we're, all, we're, we're bringing in all the pieces, yep. Right. Go to the no. library. I need the manual on parenting. <laughs> and they'll hand you my business card. There ah, you go. Ah, ah, ah. And Samantha's. <laughs> it's like to form a consortium, a full service. Right. Ask us anything. We got a specialist for you. I mean, really, should that's do like what it's going to end up being. Parent retreat. You mm-hmm. could co-host a parent retreat where they do they get special one-on-one 
coaching sessions and then they get one-on-one education planning strategy sessions. I and think then, it's, that's where it's getting. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. You get, uh, cool. it's getting, it's getting, people are learning the system we've got is complicated and you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to do the very best you can and be able to look back on it and say, you know, I left no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. Well, I took care of the laundry and I went to the banquets and, you know, and did all that. And I abbreviate, you know, I, I was actually able to be a little strategic about my kids' uh, upbringing and, and education. And uh, I hired a consultant a couple of times, you know. We kept in touch with a consultant and touched base when we needed to. And that would be a very enlightened way to go about it if everybody could do that. It, it reminds mm-hmm. me of a financial advisor, like you don't just yeah. hire a financial and, advisor once and then you're like, all right, my money's good. Like you hire right. someone and it's an ongoing relationship of like, let's check in, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. like, mm-hmm. I want to check my portfolio. Let me, t- you know, where's it at now? I'm going to invest more in this, blah, blah, blah. You need to start yeah. the 529. Like, you know, yeah. and that's kind of what this whole conversation is making me think of as you, Samantha, is like you are, um, you're an advisor, like mm-hmm. someone who's like, you know, people want to keep you in their pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An education advisor, just like a, a financial advisor. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. It will get well, normalized. It will, everybody will do it before too long. I right? feel it. I have a good feeling about the whole thing. All us entrepreneurs yeah, out here. Exactly. <laughs> well, Samantha, is there any last. Is there anything we didn't cover um, about what you do or any last um, piece that you would sum up your work with before we wrap things up here? Um, I think I would just reiterate that really the big question that parents either articulate in this way or in some way, shape, or form are kind of just, you know, mulling around in their heads is what is the right path for me? Now, it might be that they are thinking way in it, way ahead, or they're, again, faced with a decision like right now. They still want to know, is this the, they want the confidence to know that they're making the right choice. And making a right choice comes from knowing you knowing yourself, knowing your child, and then knowing what you what you want and what you don't want. Some things we talk about is what are some non-negotiables? It's really helpful to know what yeah. those are. What's your bottom line? Exactly. And yeah. so the earlier the better to start thinking about some of those things. Mm-hmm. And really when parents come to me to talk one-on-one, it's because they've started thinking about things and they're like, well, am I missing something? What is it that I'm missing? Or I don't know what to do next. That's right. And so it's really about, again, me helping parents to become discerning by giving them information, by, you know, increasing their awareness. And then being a sounding board, being someone who, you know, I've worked in private, traditional public charter schools, private schools, and that's like parochial and independent schools. There's so many types. Um, And I've seen so many different settings that I have sort of this big picture view. I've worked in classrooms and I've worked, you know, in school districts where I've been advising leaders. And so I can provide a perspective that, again, this should go in my book. I'm going to say it here, you know, thinking about writing a lot of what I know parents need and putting that into book form. Now I have that as a workbook where it's probing questions, but then there's so much more. So that's a project that I'm working on um, getting off the ground. But I would say to just kind of close out the reason I titled my course, you are the architect is because parents, I mean, and you said it too, Papa Rick, you said engineering, I think um, earlier on, and that's Mm -hmm. truly what a parent can do. Mm-hmm. And and you're doing it whether you do it intentionally or not. Yes. The time will pass 
you know, it's the looking back as, as an old dad, you know, it's, it's like, what would I have done different? You know, that's, that's a lot, there's a lot of value in spending a little bit of time Mm -hmm. in the limited time that young parents have is spending a little bit of that time up front pays Mm -hmm. big dividends in the, in the long run, just in all cases. Yep. Let me know when you write your book. I will. I want to buy a copy. Thank you. I will let you know. So Sam, real quick, let everybody know where they can find you. Well, um, my website at www.samcatalysts.com. And that is where a link to my course is as well. Um, I'm transitioning to a new website, so you can certainly find that information there. But once my new website is ready, I will be adding more resources that parents can just kind of go and grab um, and just help you think through some things. And it doesn't have to be a one-on-one conversation. It doesn't have to be a course. But I want to make things more available for parents so that they can start thinking about um, what's important to them and questions that they might not know yet to ask. So there's the website. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm also on Instagram. And that's where I am virtually. Awesome. Make sure you hang on to your old URL and have it redirect to your new one so you don't lose anybody. Thank you so much. I will it I will certainly make sure that happens. <laughs> awesome. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for being here um, and being our finale to the education series. Um, I know that I learned a lot, (laughs) which means I'm sure a lot of other people did as well. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you for doing this series. It's great to meet you, Sam. Great to meet you too. All right. Bye everybody. If someone came to mind while you were listening to this episode or you are wishing you had a friend to digest it with, I would be so honored if you shared this link from this episode with them. I myself have always benefited from community and sharing, and I truly believe that it takes a village to raise a child. Our society has become so independent from one another and parenting these days is often a lonely journey. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's why I'm here. If you have been seeking a more intentional approach to parenting, but you aren't sure where to start, I would love to hear from you. You can find me and all of my offerings at www.jennyb.co. And come follow me on all major social media platforms. It fills my heart to hear your stories, where you come from, and your big goals for raising the next generation. And don't forget, comment your parenting question on our YouTube channel, The Relational Parenting Podcast, to get it answered on one of our future episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss out. I am so grateful that you are here and always remember you are never alone. I'll see you next week. This show is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. We will discuss things like mental health, abuse, PTSD, and other potentially triggering subjects. Please listen at your own discretion. And this podcast is not intended for anyone under the age of 18.